Let's see, let's uh, take a second and pray, and we'll uh, dig into the Word a little bit. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and all that you're doing in us, with us, through us. Today, would you come now and speak uh, through me, and would you let your ideas be the prevalent ideas of the day? We want what you want today. We want you to work in us and change us and, and teach us today. So would you help all of us to listen to your voice? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, right on. Um, I have two primary places where I receive instruction and inspiration in my life. One is the Word of God, and the other is Rocky Balboa. And he has spoken to me many times throughout my uh, life with God. And uh, the Bible, obviously, it's, it's obvious. I mean, you know, that you, you read the Word and you receive from the Word. But Rocky may not be quite so obvious. But if you look into the story of Rocky Balboa, if you look through the movies, all, what is there, 17 movies? If you, if you go through all of those movies, there is one dominant theme to Rocky Balboa. And it is endurance. It's perseverance. Rocky Balboa is not that great of a fighter. He's all right, but what Rocky can do is get pummeled over and over and over again and just keep coming. He just keeps going. You can't stop him. And there's an important idea, I think, in that for us as we are doing our best to follow Jesus. And so today, as we open up, I wanted to just take a moment and maybe let you receive a little word of instruction and a word of inspiration from my good friend, Rocky Balboa. So let's have a word of prayer and you can be dismissed. I love that scene. I love that quote. It has motivated me over and over and over again in my life with Jesus. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going. Keep moving forward. And there's a key for us in our walk with God today that we're going to talk about. It's a major idea because we know that in our lives we're going to have trouble. In John 16, he says, You in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, 
because I have overcome the world. So that's good news. But the better news is this, is that you can overcome and go through it, and you don't have to do it on your own. Because in 2 Peter 1, 3, he says that his divine nature has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that you need for godly living has been given to you. That, my friends, is good news. Now, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you turn there really quick with me, if you've got your Bibles. Do you have your Bibles? Yeah. <laughs> good, I love that. All right, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, that means for most of us in this room today, you are already an overcomer because you believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of your life, the King of all the earth. So, as we go through life, we can overcome any challenge, any obstacle, anything that presents itself because he is resident in us. And one day we can say with Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I love those three phrases right there. When he says, I have fought the good fight, think about what he's saying there. He's saying, I did not let the opposition win. Whatever the obstacle, whatever the circumstance, whatever the person, I didn't let that win. I fought the good fight. Then he says, I have finished the race. There was, a, there was a way marked out for me, and I ran that race. I went and I followed my course. I did what I was supposed to do. I finished that race. And then I have kept the faith, saying, I didn't give up on what I knew was true. Even when it felt like it wasn't true, I didn't give up on what I knew was true. Revelation 12, 11 is a verse that many of you are familiar with, familiar with, and it says that they overcame him, being the enemy, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Today, for just a few minutes, I want to tell you a little bit about my most recent overcoming story. Pastor Ross asked me to share a little bit of it with you, um, and I'm happy to do so because, you know, what it means for me is, it means uh, over the course of the next uh, several months, I don't have to keep answering all of the same questions. That, listen, the, the, all the conversations I've had for the past three months have been about me, because <laughs> everyone's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you haven't noticed, but I have changed just a little bit over the past three months. And so, Pastor Ross wanted me to share with you, and it's a little bit awkward. I don't like to talk about myself that much. I mean, okay, a little bit, but not that much. But today, I want to share with you a little bit of my story. Um, I was, uh, let's go back for, I don't know, about five or six years. I was a youth pastor in Colorado Springs at New Life Church. It's the church that sent us that we came from. And um, 
I loved being at New Life. I loved the students there. I loved what I got to do. It was a great, wonderful student ministry. We had about 1,200 kids that were involved, and we had a great time doing what we were doing. And it meant that I needed a lot of energy. <laughs> I, needed, I had to work hard and do a lot of stuff, but I loved it, and I thought that I would probably end up just dying there. I thought that I would uh, be there till I was 60 or 70. I'd be that youth pastor guy, and hey, kids, I thought I would be that guy, and I would just, I'd die and be buried somewhere there in the auditorium, and they'd have a shrine to me or something. I don't know, but, and, and so... Um, they still worship God, but they'd come and, you know, honor my shrine, whatever. So, so I thought that would be my, my course in life. But I always left this little sliver open so that God could, you know, direct any way that I wanted to because I did my best to live a surrendered life. And so the day came when I felt like God kind of reached into that little sliver in my heart and peeled it back and said, hey, I want you to go to Austin, Texas with Ross and Amy and their family and help them plant a church. Really? I mean... You want me to go and work for my brother? I mean, seriously, can I go, like, can you send me to the South Pole or something? Just somewhere that's more pleasant than working for your brother. But we said yes, and we prayed about it, and we, we talked about it, and we ended up uh, coming, me and Maria and, and our three kids, and we showed up, and we started working, started planning the church, and really had a great time. But before we left, I started to notice something about myself. I started to notice that I was getting a little bit tired occasionally, and my voice kind of stopped working so well. It was getting a little bit tired quickly. And I noticed that occasionally, it was kind of intermittent, but my mouth wouldn't work just right all the time. But we came down, we planted the church, we started working really hard and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so, I mean, I, listen, I love hard work. I am a fan of hard work. But we were working really hard as on the days up to, uh, leading up to the launch. There were weeks where, weeks at a time, I went from 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock the next morning, <laughs> and then go to bed and get up and then do it all over again. And we kept doing that just because there were so many things that needed to be done. And there was, our team wasn't very big then, and so we were working with the people that we had. We were having appointments. We were doing print stuff. We were just doing all kinds of things to plant the church. And I got really tired. Plus, I had three children. So I've got Aurora, who uh, at the time, she was four, I think. Then I think Ewan was two, and I think Reese was one. And they did it all with us. They did everything with us. So when we went to AMC Theater to set up at 7 o'clock in the morning, they were there, sitting in their strollers, doing stuff, sometimes sleeping, sometimes running around causing trouble and being disobedient. We did all of that stuff with them. And so my I mean, they stayed all day, and they'd leave with us when we were done. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have anybody yet to babysit them, take care of them. So we just did what we knew to do. And I got more tired. <laughs> well... The church began to grow, and we, we kept working hard, and, and I, I just I got more and more tired. I started to notice that my voice was getting a little bit worse, and it started to get lower, and it started to get gravelly. It started to change quite a bit. But we moved to Austin, you know. I thought, hey, I'm here. It's the live music and allergy capital of the world. <laughs> and so, so I guess this is just it. I've got some pretty bad allergies, and i got to try to find the right medication to get my voice to work again. But then I started to experience some other changes. I was always fatigued, got really, really tired. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I, uh, I just planted a church, and, um, you know, it's great. I've got three little kids. Sure, I'm going to be tired. I don't sleep as much. But then other things started to happen to me as well. Uh, I started to gain a little weight. Well, I figured, hey, man, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> my 30s, uh, Austin has really good food. You go to Torchy's Tacos so many times, you eat so many bowls of queso, 
It doesn't take a, a scientist to figure that out, right? Well, that started to happen to me, and so I just kind of, I just kept going. And then um, my hair started to get kind of thin on top. My hair was thinning out, so I looked in the mirror, and for the first time when I moved to Austin, Texas, I could see my scalp. Again, I thought, oh, I'm 30. I'm 30. I guess this is my lot in life. This is just kind of what's happening to me. Well, I guess the issue was um, I was kind of a frog in a kettle. It was happening really slow. And it wasn't just these things. I started to have worse, worse symptoms. Like my brain, actually, I, I felt like I was just getting slow. I couldn't think well. I couldn't process well. I couldn't speak well. And my, my abilities, the things that I had always done, I just, I wasn't able to do. And I just thought, well, I guess this is just getting old. I guess I just got old really fast. <laughs> I guess I was just kind of going through life. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was young and looked young and acted young all my life. And then all of a sudden, I just went, I just got really old really fast. <laughs> and it was kind of my lot in life. Well, the problem started becoming that um, all those things started to make me really self-conscious. And really insecure. I started to become kind of fearful. And it started to affect everything that I did. It started to affect the way that I interacted with you. It started to, interact, it started to affect the, the way that I would speak or the things that I would do. Or, and so I started to draw back a little bit. I started to pull away because I was afraid. I mean, look, all my years, all my young years, I've had the ability, I think it's a God-given thing, to, to just connect with young people. Um, I don't know what that is, but he's always kind of given me some favor with that. But then try being that guy that's, you know, <laughs> he's trying to connect with students, with teenagers, and he's this guy. Hey, everybody, hey, you want to come and hang out with me? And no, no, I don't want to hang out with you at all because <laughs> you're scary. And maybe they never thought that. Don't answer that because you'll make me feel bad. That maybe they never thought that, but I could feel it. And it just, and, and most of it was in me. I was scared. I was insecure. And I was pulling away. That wasn't the only thing that was happening to me. I was, I was, uh, I was getting kind of depressed. I was just, I was starting to, most mornings, I couldn't get out of bed. I just, it was so hard to wake up and face the day. Nothing was wrong. There were no issues. Nothing was really happening, but I just found myself getting depressed, sad, and I couldn't get out. I started to get angry. I, I was getting angry easily. As I said, I have three small children. And uh, I remember there's one classic story that uh, we were going to watch a movie or something, and we were looking in the movie closet, and I was pulling, I had some DVDs in my hands, and the kids are all running around, and they're making noise, and they're fighting over the movie, and they're jumping and trying to grab. I don't remember everything that happened, but I remember that I got really angry. And I took those DVDs, and I got so mad, I just threw them on the ground. And they, they went everywhere, discs flying all over the place. My kids all went, <gasps> and of course, I had to go back and say, um, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was, Daddy did not hand that, handle that right. Please forgive me. And they did. Although, to this day, we'll be in the car, and they'll say, hey, Daddy, remember that time you threw the movies all over the floor? Yes, yes, I remember. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up. Remember how you forgave Daddy? <laughs> Could you keep on working on forgiving Daddy? Let that be a lesson, young parents. <laughs> I started getting angry. I was exhausted. I couldn't work. I couldn't play with my kids. I couldn't help my wife. In the mornings, I, wouldn't, I, I just wasn't able to get out of bed, and so she would get the, the lunches ready. She would send the kids off to school, and I'd just be trying to scrape my way out to get to them so I could at least pray over them before they left. Now, thankfully, I have a great wife. 
because it started to put a strain on us. And maybe we didn't even know it at the time. Maybe, maybe it wasn't so, we didn't talk about it all the time and we couldn't figure out what was going on. We just knew that something wasn't right. And my wife was faithful and wonderful and kind and loving and helping. I'm so thankful for my wife. Um, so, so, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on and she didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't know what was going on with me. But it was straining our relationship. And then over the past year, it, it kind of sped up and it kind of got worse. And everything kind of became more noticeable to me and to many of you. It became obvious that there's something here beyond my age, something beyond my work, something beyond my being tired. And it kind of came down to this. And um, I want to show you, by comparison, kind of a before and after. So I want to show you a video of me that was about three months ago at Kids for the One Life. And... Um, I want to tell you up front that all of your responses to this video are appropriate. You might want to laugh. It's okay. I won't be offended. You might cry for me. You might go, oh, dear God, help that man. (laughs) But I want you to see really quick kind of where I had come to. So everybody, please watch Sick Brent. Yeah, okay, I think that's enough. I think, I think we can turn that off now. Uh, uh, just to clarify for everyone in the room, I was not drunk. I was not drinking that morning. It was only nine. <laughs> just kidding. I was... Uh, it's a little Bible humor for you. I wasn't drinking. I was sick. And so, like I said, it was slow. I was a frog in a kettle. I didn't know what was going on. And so uh, it was really, it was Amy. It was Amy who kept chasing me down. It was Amy who over the last several months kept saying, Brent, and not in these words, she was much kinder than this, but you don't look good. You're not okay. And she suggested that it might be my thyroid. And so I I thought, well, that's interesting. Okay, maybe. uh, But I just kind of kept going and doing what I was doing. But she kind of was persistent. Amy can be persistent. And she stayed on me. And uh, so finally, I went and got my thyroid checked. Got my blood tested. Me and Ross and Zachary, my nephew, we all went down, made it a big party, had fun. You should try it. It's really good. Get your friends. Go get your blood tested. And so we went, we went down, got tested. And lo and behold, it was my thyroid. And Amy was right. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you all, Munchapel. Amy's right. Okay, just, just, just keep that in mind. Pastor Ross, he's hit and miss. All right, but, but Amy, Amy's right. So the doctor called me and he said, uh, yeah, it's your thyroid. It's not functioning. And um, so he started me on some medication and his words to me were very interesting. He said these words, you are one of the more interesting cases that I've seen, which was his uh, kindly bedside manner way of saying, it's insanely low, you're in trouble. And so he didn't start me out low. He started me way up. He took the dosage way up and started me out. So I started taking it, and, you know, three, about three weeks or so, everything started to change. Three weeks or so, my, I started to kind of slim down. Three weeks, uh, my voice kind of started to come back. My lips started working again. 
three weeks later, my voice was rising. It went back to its, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse stage. It went back to its prepubescent teenager stage that it was always at before. And so it started coming back. And everything started to change again. My brain started working faster again. It was just incredible. And so then you started to notice. Some of you started to notice. And all of that changed. So no longer were people coming to me and saying, hey, listen, I really like the way that you preach. But, man, are you high? Because, because, I mean, if you need need some help, you need to work on, uh, maybe we can help. But I just, are you high? (laughs) No, I was not. Uh... But now I'm being accused, actually, of being on speed because it's, it's actually the, the process has changed quite a little bit. But everything started to coming back. And so that changed. And then, uh, yeah, I slimmed down. Some of you said, hey, man, you've been hitting the gym? I said, uh, well, no. <laughs> Thank you. You could not be more wrong. But no, I have not been hitting the gym. And again, my voice came up. They're not messing with the EQ. This is the way I sound, prepubescent and all. It's just, it's just me. And so all of that kind of transformed right away. Even my hair started coming back, even on my legs. Some of you don't know me this well, but I have infamous legs. They're insanely white, and they're bald. <laughs> and so, so those two things do not make for good short wearing. So I don't wear shorts. But now I have the same legs as my eight-year-old daughter. Little, t- little tiny hairs. Just... It's really nice. You want to see him? No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, so any thinking person in the room is probably wondering, what took you so long? What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, like I said, it was slow. It was a slow process. It was a slow kind of decline, frog in a kettle. But I still was aware of some of the issues, and, and there are reasons why I didn't act on it. Uh, there, there are several reasons, and I think, I think that a lot of the reasons that I had for not acting on this are some of the same reasons that you use when you come up to a difficult obstacle in your life, when something very challenging presents itself to you, when a relationship is not going the right way, when difficult experiences come to your life. I think maybe you use some of these same things, or when you're dealing with some kind of a sin issue, maybe you do some of these things. Number one, I, I rationalized everything. I just said, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, probably it's just something else. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not me. Uh, these symptoms, I don't know what it is. I'm sure nothing's wrong with me. It's just, it's outside. It's, it's probably allergies or I'm tired or I've got three little kids or we planted a church. All of these things. It's something else. I'm fine. It's something else. I'm okay. Something is doing this to me. And I think that's what we do sometimes. We face with our own humanity. And a lot of times with our our own sin, we kind of rationalize and say, well, it's not me, it's something else. It's somebody else. It's not my fault. I'm not doing it. Somebody else is doing this to me. You know, that blame game has been going on for a long time, since Adam and Eve. But I think if we're going to be overcoming people, to overcome sin, to overcome difficult circumstances that life will bring to us, we've got to look that thing in the face We've got to take responsibility for our own lives and not blame something else. I was afraid. I was so afraid. I was af- I'm not a good doctor guy, okay? I don't, I don't do that well. So I was afraid to go. What if the doctor tells me something that I don't want to hear? What if something is really, really, really wrong with me and it's difficult to fix? I don't want to go hear that. 
Uh, what if he's going to require something of me? What if I'm going to have to have surgery? What if something, I'm going to have to go through some horrible process? I don't want to do that. What am I going to have to do if I face this thing? And so I just kind of avoided it. Thinking all the time, oh, it'll, it'll go away. It's going to go away. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. It's going to go away. I'm going to take Claritin D. I'm going to feel great. Everything's going to be fine. And it never, ever was. I was just afraid. Fear can stop us dead in our tracks and keep us from doing what God wants us to do, to go further, to continue, to take that next step, to see overcoming power in our lives. I faced the fear, and I did what was right, and I found my healing when I did it. The same thing can happen to you, everybody. You face your fear, and healing can come to you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Look that fear in the face. Challenge it and receive your healing. I, uh, I was in denial. I just, I was in denial. I, and I think this is probably worse than rationalization because I'm sitting there and everybody around me can see something is wrong. Did you watch the video? So everyone can see I'm this guy. Hey, Ken, come up here, Ken. Uh, hey, Ken. Everybody can see that I'm that guy. But me, here I am, kind of in a, what? Nothing's wrong with me, uh, right? It, it's ludicrous. But don't you do it too? Don't you stand in denial when things are going rough or when you're facing some kind of challenge or some issue, some blockade in your relationship with God? Ah, I don't know. No, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. It's fine. I'm fine. I was totally in denial, obvious to everybody else, but to me. And then I was stubborn. I hate this one the most. I was stubborn. Stubbornness. Truth is, I've faced a good deal of adversity in my life. I come from a broken home, and uh, I've lived through the death of several of my friends, even at a young age. And I've, um, you know, uh, many of you heard the story of the church we came from, experienced a huge scandal, and then a shooting a year later after that scandal happened. And I remember being there and hunkered down with my children and my wife, with my kids crying, and me thinking, if that guy hears my kids crying, he's going to know exactly where we are, and we're done. There's some pretty decent adversity, and many of you have faced uh, really horrible circumstances too. And all through my life, I've kind of been the guy that just tries to power through. If there's an issue, if there's a problem, I'm just going to power through. I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get it done. Somebody once called me a bulldozer. Dude, you're like, you're like a bulldozer. You just kind of power through if there's something in your way. The problem with that is, is that I most of the time just did it alone. It's just me. I powered through. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are all kinds of people around who can help me. I just didn't always let them in. It's good to have perseverance. It's good to endure. It's good to go through hardship. It's good to press on. But you don't have to do it alone. It's not a strength when you can just power through alone. Because eventually, it runs out. It ran out on me. And Amy was one of the ones, a voice in my life that said, you got to do something. You're not okay. And isn't it ridiculous? What did I need? I needed a pill. <laughs> I needed a little pill about this big once a day. And now my life is radically different. 
I'm happy. I don't throw DVDs anymore. <laughs> eh, occasionally. That's all I needed. That was it. I suffered so long for no reason because that's all I needed. And she was trying to tell me. Man, I feel stupid. <laughs> but that's what we do. We just kind of go on. I'm stubborn. I can do it. I can take it. No, you can't. Only for so long. You need a community to help you. You need the overcoming power of the Lord Jesus in you. Would you just say yes to it? I know that in the scheme of things, that that thing that I faced, it's not really that huge. I mean, it affected my life pretty good. <laughs> affected my kids, affected my wife. Um, but, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big. Many of you are facing things that are far more difficult, far more uh, challenging than what I had. And some of us, there's things that are still to come that we're going to face that are going to be so challenging. But no matter what the circumstances are, this is kind of the, the one thing that I want to say to you today. You can overcome. You may not believe it right now, but you can overcome. You can overcome because Jesus overcame the world. Jesus lives in you. You are an overcomer. There's no circumstance. There's no circumstance that can take you out. Now, I look around the room, and, I, and in the first service and this service too, and I, and I think about stories of people that I know. I think about people and the challenging things that they're walking through. And I could hear maybe the words saying, yeah, okay. Yeah, Mr. One-Pill Thyroid Boy. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm looking at. And I can understand that. I, I see that completely. I think what I want to challenge you to realize today is when I say overcoming, I'm not talking about you receiving the outcome that you're hopeful for. That's not the only definition for overcoming. Having your eyes fixed on Jesus, having your heart set on him and pursuing him, him, him being the ultimate goal for us, that's the kind of overcoming that I'm talking about. So no matter what the outcome is, your life is fixed and strong and sturdy because your eyes are fixed on him. Romans 8, 35 through 39 is a wonderful passage, and I'm not going to take the time to read it, but you know it talks about all these horrible things that, that we think maybe could separate us from God and his love. And it says in, uh, in, in this verse, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conqueror, conquerors through him, not you and me, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so I want to ask you today to get a vision to overcome. To get a vision to overcome. It includes things like this. And this is probably the thing that I want you to hear the most. Coming from my good friend Rocky Balboa. Is keep moving forward. Would you just take one more step? With challenges, with difficult circumstances the rough stuff of life, with sin that seems to plague you and control you, would you just take one more step? Pastor Ross has a, a quote that I, I really like. I don't know if he made it up or not, but it said, we'll give him the credit for today. He said that all that God requires of you is to do the right thing one more time. All that God requires of you is to do the right thing one more time. Now, you understand, when I say that, I'm not saying uh, that it's just one thing. Okay, well, I'm going to make one decision. I'm going to do one thing one more time, and then, well, it didn't work. I'm still in it. Still hard. Still difficult. 
Prognosis is still the same. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about one action. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about a heartbeat. I'm talking about a stance, a position, a core position of life that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to take one more step toward Jesus. I'm going to do one more thing. There's a great song that one of my friends, Jared Anderson, wrote. And it, in the course, it just says, it says, I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. And today I want to ask you and challenge you, would you let that be the prayer of your heart day in and day out? I'm coming your way, Jesus. I'm coming your way. Because if you live with that all the time, you can't help but start to correct things and fix things. I think what happens is we just start to back off. We start backing away from him. And it's then that all of the decisions that we've made start to come in and, cl and clutter everything up and mess everything up. But if you can push forward and keep going, I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. He's going to start to help you see the things that are wrong. He's going to help you see the things that you need to change. He's going to help you have the conversations that you need to have. So what's the thing? What's the one step for you? What's the one step that you need to take today, now, towards him? What's the step that you need to take with your wife or your husband to work on that marriage? What is it? What's the one step that you need to take today towards Jesus to see that prodigal son or daughter come on back home? What's the one thing that you could do today? Maybe it's simple. Maybe it's just, God, just a, it's a prayer. It's a daily prayer. I don't know what it is, but you do. Would you take some time and ask him? Take one more step towards him. There's a great story in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And it's a story where Jesus comes and he's, he's been speaking. And um, Simon has been out. And Peter, he's been out on the boat all day. And they've been trying to catch fish. And Jesus finishes and he says, hey, Simon, I want you to go out and cast your net out and bring in some fish. And, and Peter says, look, look, man, I've been out there all day and all night. And I ain't caught a thing not one thing. I already know what's going to happen. I'm going to go out there and nothing's going to get caught. We're not going to have any food. I've been doing it all day. Are you serious? That's kind of what he says first. But then he follows right after with this incredible statement. He says, but because you asked me to, I'll go. How many of us actually live that way every day? I mean, think about all the times you've got to be able to say, uh, God, look, I already know what's going to happen. If I do it again, I know what the result's going to be. I've done it over and over and over and over again, and my wife just doesn't understand. I'm not going to do it again. I'm done. I'm finished. But because you say so, I'm going to do it. Because you say so, I'll go again. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever it is, fix your eyes on the true goal of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. It's a simple, simple idea. A simple talk on a Sunday morning that has far-reaching capabilities. Take one more step. Would you close your eyes with me? You might be, today, you might be thinking, uh, man, I've been, I have been going through it. <clears throat> I've got some really hard things that are staring me in the face, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And maybe you've been like me. Maybe you've been rationalizing. Maybe you've been um, in denial about it. Maybe you've just been afraid. 
But today I think the Spirit of God is encouraging you and asking you, would you just take one more step? Would you just, would you take one more step towards me? For some of you, maybe that step is the first step you've ever taken towards him. But today you're hearing about an incredible God who is very real and very true and he loves you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb, but he rose again three days later. And he did that to pay the penalty, to pay the price for all of our sin so we don't have to. That's the God that's calling to you and saying, would you just come take one more step today? So if that's you, you want to make a commitment in some way to take a step towards Jesus today. Maybe the first time or the first time in a long time or the 13th, 14th, 15th time. Would you just lift up your hand real quick to signify that to him? Right on. Who else? Cool. Great. Who else? Awesome. Who else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who else? This is not for me. I don't want you to lift up your hand for me. I, it's, it's for him. I, this is your signal saying, yes, God, that's what I'm going to do. Is there anybody else? Ha, awesome. Okay, would you all pray this prayer with me then? And just pray it in your heart, and especially those of you who, who raised your hands. Heavenly Father, thank you that because of you, we can overcome. Thank you that there is nothing in this life that can separate us from you and that can take us out because you are our end goal. So, Father, today I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us for living in denial. Forgive us for being afraid. Forgive us for rationalizing. Forgive us for being stubborn. God, forgive us. And today we want to surrender to you and we want to come your way. We want to take one more step. Would you please show us what those steps are? Would you help us to follow after you? Would you please today, once again, be our Lord and our Savior. We give our lives to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.